Man, um, the weather's finally changed down here. I'm hoping. I heard this has like been the second hottest summer on record in Texas. I think the hottest was in 2011. We're on track. Well, we've had over 55. I think this is correct. 55 days over 100 degrees this year. It has been brutal. I mean, I wore a jacket. So- I wore a jacket really? to work this morning. Yeah, I busted out my World Series of Pro Mod jacket. Really? I mean, it's. Yeah. I mean, we're. It's ninety. Probably. What is it? It's eighty-six right now. It'll be. I think the high for the day is ninety-five, which is, to be honest, feels like the Arctic tundra. To be honest, yeah. like compared to last week. But I was talking to so big weekend in the Buck household, right? It's homecoming. So Max had homecoming football game playing in band Friday night, which was spectacular, um, incredible. Like high school football in Texas is something else, man. Like you see it in the movies, you see it on TV, you hear about it, you read about it, but it is a whole thing, man. Like it's a the culture. It's sold out. The tickets for our this is a high school, a five A high school outside of DFW, right? A, a relatively small school, and tickets sold out in two minutes two minutes i mean there was like an uproar locally of people mad as a hornet like because they couldn't get tickets to the event and it's i don't know it just made Not me think confused about, with the hornets right yeah no, well yeah they don't have they have plenty <laughs> of tickets available at the charlotte hornets arena if you're looking for tickets to an nba game you uh you'll pretty much have your pick uh for the throughout the entire nba season uh for the charlotte hornets poor mike uh but no it's uh, and his panthers aren't doing much better I mean, it's like rough times out there for man. We major got T Swifters. How about that? Can let's got, just talk so about there, that. So two there seconds. you go. That's that's what that's what these teams. If you're looking to 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 pack the stands, just find you a T Swift to date one of your stars. And did you boom. read the thing about um, <laughs> uh, Travis Kelsey's jerseys? My son sent oh, yeah. this morning. Are like sales are up four hundred percent. Yeah, because of all these, you it's know, one like of the top selling. Uh, I mean, like he's he's surpassed. Most of the quarterbacks in the league this last week um, with with sales of his jersey, and he and he's like, got a drop top Chevelle with a yeah. pro charged LS motor in it. I mean, he's yep. my kind of guy. Like I, he gained like uh, like two million followers overnight or something, or three million. I can't remember what it was. Man, the crazy. Taylor Swift effect uh, is is a real thing. I think she's the most famous person in the world, right? Right? She's got to be the most famous Beats person. Me. I didn't. Right I now. I actually didn't even know that she was still relevant thing. until until this like the eras tour thing. everybody's yeah and i'm like what, what? <laughs> this is like the one day that i, I don't her have off friendship a long time on. ago no i'm just, just <laughs> I, I oh my god yeah oh uh, hey man yeah. i'm a i'm a swifty i i mean i like cruel summer uh that karma song is good bad blood's good um shake it off's good uh what's some other ones that i really like i like all of um, yeah I, uh, yeah nope I like Taylor Swift. I really do. I'm a fan. I'm a, yeah, I'm like a me. legit fan. I'm a I'm a fan. And then like seeing her go, let's go. Like, oh man, it was just so she was and in the moment. Right, right you next know? to Mama Kelsey. And Mama Kelsey's like probably she's probably one of my favorite people in sports right now. I I'm gonna tell you, if you've seen any of her interviews that she has done, she's spectacular. It's awesome. Like and yeah. she put those boys like, Hey, if you want to play more, I'm not gonna go to the coach. You go over to that coach and you tell him that you want to play more. What can you do to get yourself more playing time? You know, and, and, and that's a good lesson for anybody out there. Like, but I mean, what a good lesson for you. You have to no. do it for yourself. And, and you know? the lesson that they have created as like, that's a, they're, they're separated, right? They're divorced, their parents. And it's like to create, to have kids like that 
even in a home where there was some struggle, it sounds like between the parents, like that, I mean, it just goes to show you that everything in life to, in my opinion, like success is made in the walls of your home in so many ways, like the, the environment that you create for your kids, for one another inside the walls of your home, it, it has such a massive impact on whatever else happens later in life. I mean, like that's, and that's everybody that's kind talks of perfect. About. That's kind of yeah. perfect leading into the, you know, the interview that you're going to have today. Oh know? yeah, man. You know, um, I mean, we got really to, we got to hear today. Get out there and do it for yourself. Right. You do. And you got to put yourself out there. Like what's mm-hmm. Jordan say? You miss a hundred percent of the shots you don't take or whatever. I mean, you, yep. I mean, you talk about someone taking a shot. I can't wait to talk to this guy. Actually. I've, I've been told that he's a little, he's quiet. And this, this whole situation has been a little You'll bit You'll probably overwhelming. be able to fill in any, any dead space. I'm pretty yeah, sure. I'll probably be able to, <laughs> I, I'll, I'll keep it. I'll try to keep it flowing. But to be honest, like, isn't that the name of the game here? Like introducing the racing masses to people that perhaps otherwise they would never hear from. Like I think about For this sure. 30, like the 30 under 30 world series. Like I'm so proud of having these opportunities to put racers on a pedestal. Like any freaking, I had a conversation this morning um, with a guy on the phone when I was driving in the studio and we were just talking about, it. he's like, man, you're like busy every time I get on. And I said, nah, we, busy maybe, but man, we're having the time of our lives. Like we're lucky. Like we get to wake up and talk about drag racing and put on drag races and help people go drag racing. Like I, I, I don't know. I, I couldn't be happier. Like, right. Yeah, I and mean, this is literally, we had, a, we had a great weekend ourselves. I mean, like we, we weren't on the grounds ourselves, but oh, you know, we had, bro. we had Rick Belvin, uh, Mike Carpenter, Courtney was chipping in. Everybody was chipping in, trying to get their drivers. Uh, we got. I, I want to talk about that. About Roll everybody. the intro. Roll the intro, and we're going to talk about uh, Charlotte because you you brought that up. We need to make sure everybody gets their flowers. All right. Yeah. Roll it. Listen, I've never had any problem expressing my opinions, but what we're doing here is bigger than that. These are conversations that need to be had in an unfiltered way. Drag racing is all I've ever done. It's all I care to do. I respect the history, I appreciate how far we've come, but I want more for this sport, and I'll fight for it. It's uncut, it's unfiltered, this is the show of shows. The biggest names in drag racing. No holds barred. This is the great American motorsport, drag racing. Prove me wrong, I'll wait. Hey gang, Wes Buck here, Drag Illustrated Magazine, checking in. It is Wednesday, September 27th, 2023. A little, uh, it's my birthday. I don't want to make a big deal out of it, but it's my birthday. So I told my wife I wasn't even going to mention it, but I just saying it out loud like that, I kind of feel put on the spot a little bit. So it's my birthday. Happy um, birthday okay. I was waiting. to you. <laughs> I was waiting. Happy was, okay. birthday to you. Happy birthday, Wes Buck Show. Happy birthday to you. That's the only time you're going to hear me sing happy birthday on this damn show. Bro, you've thank you. Let's, I mean, I, yeah. Well, I feel, I feel really I'm going to try bad. to get some of these other people but, to clap. Hey, I guess I haven't been on Facebook clap. yet. You just see that oh. it's your birthday because that's my, that's my birthday calendar. You, know, you and everybody me, on in yeah, the, on the planet right. use Facebook <laughs> exclusively, perhaps, to I, find I, out I, whose I, birthday is who. I need to write down when. You know, like, my kids, my wife, I need to write that shit down, you know. For sure. Yeah, those are those are important ones, buddy. But I tell you what, Facebook, I mean, your kids are too young. What's one of them on social? So the other two, it's going to be a minute. But um, 
it yeah, is kind of convenient. Like, I, don't even think, I don't even think they even care about Facebook anymore, really. So, yeah, it's weird how that happened. I'm telling you, uh, I'm on I'm on X now. It's weird to say out loud because it could be like misinterpreted, right? But um, well, I'm on. That, I've said that you you need to like get on X and post. You know, formerly known as Twitter for the boomers out there. Yeah, that yeah. might not and know then, what the hell we're And then about. you know, at the end of your comment, dash west. You know, so that... what about WB? Dash WB. So it's not. Yeah. It's like. Obama used to do that, right? Wasn't it Obama? I'm looking in the green room. One of the presidents used to tweet. (laughs) I ignored him. (laughs) Um, One of the presidents would tweet and and sign it. Like, and you could always tell when it was like a White House staffer or you know, like a PR person versus when him himself off of the same account. But yeah, but but I think that fits perfect for like if you're watching a race. He put bo, I think. Yeah. <laughs> <I think>. <laughs> perfect. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. JT. Perfect. Yeah. But so yeah. then, the, but, but that's that, that would be perfect for like when you're watching a race or something's going on in the industry because it's it's the perfect place to put a small thought and then start a discussion. I think it's the most interesting platform that exists right now. Like, there's really good information. Like, you guys know how big I am into this uh, AI stuff, like the artificial intelligence. Like, I'm one thousand percent in like i've taken classes I'm, seminars read I'm, stuff i'm scared of it I, I, you should be scared everybody should be scared i know like that's what it, i'm saying it, if people only knew like it, it's going to be as big as the internet like that's how significant the impact of artificial intelligence is going to be on on society and the world as a whole i mean it's but anyways twitter is like you can learn literally i have to be careful because i'm really bad about I know you're not supposed to do this, and if you read any self-help books, it's like no screens before bed, blah, blah, don't have a TV in your room, all these things. Um, but I, t- it's part of my wind down is to like, this is a horrible thing to acknowledge out loud, and maybe I'm going to have to change this, but um, I like kind of read the news at night. Like, I'll just see what I missed. Like, what did I miss? I've been well, doing drag depressing. racing stuff all day, and I want to see what's going on in the world or whatever. And <laughs> I typically jump on, I know, I typically jump on uh I'll typically check Wall Street Journal, see if there's anything cool on the, that app because I use their app. I don't go to the website. I use the app. And then uh, I get on X, formerly known as Twitter. And I'm just blown away by how much information is on there. Like, especially like going back to the AI thing, you, you can, I and mean, I just, I got to be careful of it, like I said, because I'll get myself all wound up and I won't be able to sleep because I'll get to thinking about something that we could do. Uh, anyways, it's, uh, but I'm, I'm going to do that, T. I think I'm going to, we need to yeah, pick a race. And like live tweet it or whatever and just yeah. talk about it um as it's Chad, unfolding. Our 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 friend and insurance agent just walked uh, in. So. Local insurance agent. Uh oh, yeah. it's about it's about that time, isn't it? Um I was gonna say so real quick, we got a couple of things I want to touch on before we dive into this week's episode um and this interview with Donnie Hagar, the winner of the drag uh, excuse me, I almost call it the Drag Illustrated World Series of Promo. Donnie Hagar, the winner of the million dollar drag race at uh, Worldwide Technology Raceway in Gate or outside of St. Louis, Illinois. Uh, huge weekend for this young man. Uh, we couldn't get him on the show last week because he was too busy working a 24 hour shift at a fire station. So kind of a, but it was even cooler that he couldn't be on the show because he had to work. And I just think right. that that's what makes the story so cool and why I was so uh, determined to make sure that we got this done. So I'm looking forward to checking in with Donnie. Um, I, it would be a criminal had, probably not to yeah, at least we had touch a big, on. Big weekend at the, yeah. at, at Charlotte, you know, for the Yen and Jure, uh, Carolina, Carolina Nationals. Nationals. And uh, we had, we had several people out there and a lot of work getting done. And Man, uh, I want to give, yes, got to give a yeah. tip of the cap to uh, Rick Belden. Uh, he's our uh, director of photography here at Drag Illustrated. He's shot, I believe, over 40 
covers of the magazine. I think that's right. But it, it's been a lot. And we set up a special portrait shoot. And this was just like a real proud moment, proud papa moment for me. Uh, huge shout out to Courtney Enders and the team at Flow Racing, Rick, Rick's assistant, uh, Mike Harper, Michelle Damagala, everybody that was involved in this. We basically, we did, I think the number was 48, 48 portrait sessions at Charlotte on Friday and Saturday morning. So in that's, like 12 hours on Friday and a few for, hours yeah. on Saturday, 48 portrait sessions because we wanted to have our own photos of every one of our Skag Power Equipment Pro Superstar shootout presented by JHG uh, drivers. We wanted to make sure that we had our own photos of each one of these guys in neutral shirts, neutral outfits. Um, so the team at Flow put together some cool shirts that say Pro on Flow, uh, got every one of the drivers to to throw on the shirt and stand in front of the backdrop and, and get some photos. It's going to it's I can't really say enough about that stuff and any like aspiring race promoters or even accomplished race promoters scheduling a media day for your event sanction series. I don't know that there's anything that could be more valuable to you. Um, you'd be blown away. People on social media, especially are really react to human faces and so much of the marketing materials that are created in drag racing are burnouts and launches um, and explosions. And that stuff has its place, no doubt about it. But you'll be surprised. And what most promoters run into is that they just don't have that material. Like there's 10,000 action photos because there's a bunch of photographers at every race with their cameras pointed at the track. Uh, what we don't have happen enough is cameras pointing their lenses at racers, at, at race car drivers and the people and the men and women that make this sport what it is. So uh, I would encourage anybody, especially we're late in the season. So as you're planning your 2024, if you're putting on a race or if you're going to an event where a lot of racers are going to be PRI, SEMA, uh, the list goes on. You may well be wise to like rent yourself a ballroom or call PRI or get a place you can go and shoot some photos of these guys and gals so that you have them to use throughout the calendar year. It's super even, or even if a driver wants to do it, even if yeah. a driver or a team, you know, wanted to schedule something. Let's do that. Yeah, I'm you know, throwing I mean, this cause, JT. Cause do you they, think we they could do a headshot? They should booth? have that stuff. They should have that stuff ready. You know, so that if somebody does call and is going to do a story on them or they have a big press release or a new sponsor coming on, that they've already got, you know, the shots that they need, you know, pretty much with the headshots and the team thrashing and, st and just stuff like that, you know. Now I'm having this big idea. Oh, boy. What if we just did that at PRI, like four people? Is that too much to do at PRI? We have a lot on our plate at PRI. We can just hire more people. Couldn't and we? It may not be. And it, we, I mean, you can what if we did? Hear me out. out. What if we did one day, and Racers Club, Drag Illustrated, we'll pay for it. Uh, let's let's get it done. But let's have a day where, and we're gonna have X amount of time slots, one per five minutes, starting at like ten a.m. Let's get multiple photographers so that nobody's overwhelmed with the work. Let's bring two or three photographers in, and on one day, if you need headshots, that's the kind of guys we are at Drag Illustrated. That we're going to help you get it done. I think yeah. this is actually a great idea and a fantastic it's not just, service. It's not just drivers; it's the people no. in the you know the people in the media. I mean, I've been looking. You know, when we're making, um, thank you, yes, thumbnails and stuff like that. You no know, no photos uh, exist of like. Most oh my of these god! People. And you go. I mean, there, there is there's some selfies with them and their family and this and that. But it's then you really feel bad cropping out grandma. It, you really do. Yes. Yeah. <sighs> or what I hate is when I have to crop out the wife or the kid. Right. Like I need I, a close I, shot I, I just, of I just put a wife in one the other day. I'm like, ah, you know what? Good picture of him. 
Yeah. And you feel bad. Like, I don't, I'm not trying, but to your point, I think we need to make this happen. If anybody out there wants to get involved in this, um, it feels like a sponsorship opportunity. Maybe it's something that we can do via the 30 under 30. Actually, what if we got headshots of all the people from the 30 under 30? All right. We need to make this happen. Let's start working on this. We've got plenty of time. Um, we'll, we'll round up some money. We'll make it happen. Because I this, could just take a camera to the DI after hours party. Everybody, Nobody is, wants those photos in yeah. circulation, JT. I don't know how many times I got to tell you this stuff. I'm going to start making you put your phone in one of those nylon pouches when uh, you get I, to DI after I'm actually, hours. I'm actually really good at when I'm partying, I don't look at my phone very often. I do catch a picture if it presents okay. itself. If but anybody but, does anything even remotely close, like that video yeah. you posted of Alicia for her birthday. I know. I, wife, she hates it. She I love it. hates that video. I know. Um, That's why and, I post it. Oh, it, I told her, quit <laughs> reacting. And quit telling him how much you hate it, and he'll stop posting it. Like, if you tell him that you love that video and it just makes your heart, you know, like it gives you butterflies in your tummy or something, he'll probably stop posting it. No, he's he's trying to ruin your day is what he's going for. (laughs) Um, But, no, it's – I just think that that's something that we should do, and I'm glad you brought that up, buddy, because, like, that's what excites (laughs) me is doing – you know, doing cool stuff and trying to provide value to the industry because there are a world of racers out there that don't have a photo to put on their hero card, don't have a photo to put on their sponsor deck, um, don't have photos to use on social media that are adequate and insignificant, well-lit and representative of who they are. And I think that that would be something really, really cool that we could do for the community. We'd probably be overwhelmed. um, So we'd have to have it, we'd have to cut it off at some point, but I'm pretty sure that I want to proceed with this. Um, and you know what we could do is just set a point, like put up one of those uh, appointment schedulers. Yeah, you know, have you seen those, Blake, in the green room? Do you know what I'm talking about? It's like one of them websites that you go to yeah. and you type it, like here's the available times, and you just pick your slot. Um, and we set our availability in like five-minute increments. Yeah, I, I'm going to – we're going to do this. And that matter of fact, we'll shit can something else. If there's something else at the at the event that we've committed to, can it. Because this is more important because I want to provide value. I want to do things for the community. So anyways, uh, I don't know how we got on that, but huge shout out to Rick Belden, um, DI Director of Photography, Elite Motorsports, allowing all these drivers to come into their pits. We actually set up in the Elite Motorsports pits. So huge shout out to those guys, uh, the Freeman Camp, for letting us come uh, take up space in your pit area all weekend. We know how uh, valuable pit space is. So we appreciate you letting us take up some of it. What a weekend. There's been so many things happen in drag race that don't get talked about. NHRA's tax returns come out. There's all this drama about that, right? And all these salaries and blah, 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 blah. No, no comment, no mention, no talk about those things. Um, there's so many things that don't get talked about, right? But then you have Tony Stewart, a motorsports icon, a guy that you are leaning on constantly from a promotional perspective, constantly leaning on. Like, this is the first time in history that a top alcohol driver is included in almost all marketing materials, right? Yeah. Like, you can't find a piece of NHRA marketing material that doesn't include Tony Stewart. And he's a sportsman racer. I mean, he's a team owner. It's fair, but it's still like clear that you're leaning on him. You're trying to borrow oh, yeah, we're, his audience. We're lending his name. Yeah. Yes. You, you want it. Um, and, and I, I, I'm, I scratch my head about this because if I've done some digging on this and I think that there, it, it's got some layers to it. This is, as I like to say, this onion's got a lot of layers to it. And uh, I found it a little bit, alarming how quick the NHRA was to, to set that in motion. Um, I'm not saying like cheaters, you know, if you're doing the wrong thing, you're doing the wrong thing, 
right? And I'm not, there's no gray area on these things. I mean, it, it, it writes right and wrongs wrong. I mean, I teach my kids that I live by that principle. It's, it's, I'm, I'm not trying to make light of the situation, but what do I say all the time T it's not the news. It's the way it's delivered. Rarely is it the news, good, bad, whatever it's the delivery. And I just really was surprised by the way this was handled. I mean, I, I don't, like I'm all for yeah. setting an example that you're going to hold everybody accountable, but I don't think that's true. Like, I don't think that's actually the case. Like, I think part of me, I labored over this all week and going, okay, what, what's the logic here? So I think the logic could be that you're trying to set an example that it doesn't matter who you are. You're going to all get held to the same standards and there, we're not going to let anything compromise the integrity of this deal um, of our racing. I, I believe all that. And, and I actually support the notion. And I do think that there are times like when you, someone has to ha uh, be made an example, right? Yeah. But yep. you typically don't want that person to be Tony Stewart. You, you know, like I'm not, I don't know. I've, I've got a lot of mixed emotions about it. I, I know that Tony, uh, I've gotten to know him a little bit, not really well. Um, but like, this is not anything that he's, you don't have to dig much to find that there's layers to this. There's, Hey, I don't think this right. was this something that NHRA was just found. went out and, and like trying yeah. to to absolutely the system secondhand all, parts. Right? Which yes. and it's funny because I saw people on social going, "Oh, Tony Stewart doesn't buy secondhand parts. He's got all these sponsors." Yep. Wrong. Everybody out here buys secondhand parts. Like that's just like my dad is an example. The only way he affords to race is by way of secondhand parts. There's tons of high level teams and very successful race teams in our sport that don't buy everything new. And especially during a global pandemic. I mean, we've had three yes. years of real difficulty sourcing parts, getting materials like all you call anybody. They're behind for the most part. And it's a real like we're seeing it become a marketing message, simply having things in stock. Like it used to be that you have the best stuff, right? Or that you've got the fastest stuff or the lightest stuff. Now you just have stuff. Like that's the important thing is that you simply have stuff, right? And it doesn't at all surprise me that, you know, McPhillips Racing bought some Magnetos off somebody, um, end up sticking these on their car. They don't, what that's, I mean, I've, I have heard, don't get me wrong. I've heard plenty of examples of people that get their Magnetos checked at every race, but I, I promise you that's not, standard there, right. there are always going to be people that go above and beyond the call of duty but like i don't know that that should be i mean i actually can't imagine that like going and having anything on my car tested before i start the weekend like to that degree i i don't i don't know that that's a reasonable expectation and i think if this was something that was found during a teardown like if tony stewart went out and clipped the record by a tenth set the world record or something outpaced the field or as Alan Reinhardt said over the PA this weekend, I thought this is actually something I'm going to use. If he went out and daylighted the field the way Erica Enders did, right? Like just blow everybody away and you go tear the car down in the pits and you find something illegal. I think then that's cause for alarm, but by all accounts, that's not what happened here. It was a game of word of mouth deal. Hey, you should check this out. Said to NHRA, NHRA goes, checks it out, finds there's a problem. Very interesting to me. I, I just, I don't know. And there was, and there was also rumors about like who, who told them to check it out too, right? There's so, I mean, plenty of rumors yeah, about this, all this, this stuff. Be, and yeah. it just, for me, I think it's like, I understand the example perhaps that's trying to be made uh, or the set by going after a guy like this. And I mean, I just don't know how it helps anybody having a headline on NHRA.com that says Tony Stewart gets disqualified. 
you, you're going to really struggle to convince me how that makes sense. I mean, I, like, even like, I mean, I just, I'm trying to wrap my head around how that makes sense. Um, yeah. I, yeah. I don't get it, man. I don't I mean, know. I, did, I just it, don't get it. It's almost like a sting. <laughs> yeah. I mean, yeah, it, it I mean, feels if the weird. True, and right? I mean, yeah. That yeah. Would, that Cause would here's be the right, thing is right? what you're, yeah. what, what you've also done is indicated that you're going to listen to hearsay. Right. Yeah. And that you're going to play this game of wading into personal shit, right? In personal, interpersonal conflict. And I don't think NHRA's got, doesn't need that. They don't need to be involved in those things. And anyways, I just have a feeling that they're in, it's tough because this, it's tough. Our whole industry, JT, we talk about this all the time, right? Because it's all almost entirely privateers, nobody owes us an explanation. None of these team owe, teams owe us an explanation. They don't get paid enough to owe us an, exp an explanation because that's the other thing. Wrap your head around this, big dog. Tony Stewart and the McPhillips Racing family, they're in Charlotte with multiple cars. Tony's got two, a funny car and a pro stock or a top fuel car there. McPhillips have two top alcohol dragsters there, right? They've got plane tickets, hotels, all this to get there. Um, they're racing for like 1500 bucks. Yeah. So Tony Stewart found himself in a situation this past weekend where he got disqualified from a race and has that on his record. It's in the headlines because he was out here trying to win 1500 bucks. Yeah. I mean, yeah. You know I, I mean? Like, is his reputation worth that? Like, I think you've now you've introduced this whole thing of like, well, I mean, all I got out of this is a black eye. Screw it. Yeah. yeah. Right. I mean, could that not be argued? Absolutely. Like here I am trying to put myself out there, trying to be wave the flag, bring people out to the races, do this, that, and the other. I'm trying to do all these things to help, right? I'm, every time we're in Charlotte, I'm bringing NASCAR drivers out in Indy. I'm bringing people out. I'm letting, I'm, I'm hosting. I'm on in the, whenever I'm not racing or whatever, I'm in the, on the, uh, what do you call it? Damn it. In the booth, right? On the yeah. PA during the broadcast, yeah. like, Dude, this guy has, he's doing Pat McAfee. I mean, I was watching the McAfee show yesterday morning and every time they cut to the toxic table, that's like your desk would be like at this show, like the kind of equivalent. Mm -hmm. Every time they cut to it, there's a Matt Hagen funny car sitting on their desk that Tony Stewart, I'm sure brought when he was on the Pat McAfee show a few weeks ago in the lead up promoting the NHRA US Nationals, like because he wants to. And I mean, maybe he's completely comfortable like, this whole thing and he's not phased by it at all. And I hope that's the case. He's a bigger man than I am, but I don't know. I find the whole thing very, very peculiar at the bare minimum, very interesting thing. But nonetheless, it certainly did not. I mean, for every, for all of that, the weekend at the Carolina nationals was absolutely fantastic. I mean, I don't know that you could ask for a much better race and despite a little bit of rain, um, fantastic competition across the board. We saw history made on Saturday night as, uh, Mike Salinas makes the first ever 300 mile per hour pass to the eighth mile. Um, JT, I know you're no sort of history buff, but like, if you think about yeah, the crazy. sport of drag racing, yeah. uh, what that represents 300 miles an hour to the eighth of a mile, that's 660 feet for the uninitiated. That's like two city blocks, zero to 300 miles an hour in three seconds, under three seconds. I mean, if you think about like, most of these European automo automotive manufacturers are like so excited when their zero to 60 is 
four seconds or something, right? You know, so it's like three seconds. I mean, this is insane. What what they accomplished, huge shout out to that team, the Scrappers Racing Team. Rob Flynn, crew chief on that car, came in, followed Alan, uh, Alan Johnson uh, in. Uh, Alan Johnson left. Rob Flynn comes in. There was a lot of concern around that team. Would they be able to kind of keep pace with what they had accomplished previously under the, the watchful eye of Alan Johnson? What's Rob Flynn going to be able to do? And holy moly, Rob Flynn has delivered um, incredible performance from that team over the course of the weekend. And it was a, a real jaw-dropping thing. I think it's one of those moments that we that are relatively few and far between at this point in drag racing where you kind of have a, I remember where I was when Mike Salinas went 300 miles an hour to the eighth mile. I want to bring this up real quick because uh, did you guys see that I threw uh, in the slack over the weekend? Brett Kepner did a breakdown. Uh, Drag Illustrated historian and statistician Brett Kepner did a breakdown based on uh, kind of a what-if perspective, and I think this is really interesting. I'm going to read this verbatim because it's, it's worth mentioning. Many fans wonder... What kind of performance Mike Salinas's 300 mile per hour run would equate to in drag racing's original competition distance for top fuel machines, a quarter of a mile? Since 2002, the performance of modern dragsters has been restrained through multiple rule revisions ranging from maximum nitromethane percentage to minimum rear end gear ratios to vehicle weight to timing management, which restricts maximum engine RPM during the final 200 feet of a thousand foot run. Therefore, the only true Accurate theoretical numbers for quarter mile speculation uh, in 2023 must be created from eighth to quarter mile acceleration curves and performance programs before all the restrictions, with the exception of the 320 uh, final drive ratio, which was implemented in 1991. So using the aforementioned criteria, Mike Salinas is 300.80 mile per hour at the eighth mile pass with no further restrictions than the use of a 320 rear gear converts to 362.51 miles per hour at the quarter mile. I mean, is that correct? Because you hear that all the time. Like, what would it run if they run it to the quarter? Yeah. Well, our math tells us 360 and change, 362.51. Thank God we're only running these things to the 1,000 foot at this point, right? Because we don't need anybody out here going 360 miles, trying to stop after going 360 miles an hour. I mean, I, yeah. I don't know that there, there's only a handful of tracks in the country that could really accommodate it. So no, thank God we've, we've reduced the racing surface because God knows these racers haven't stopped making power or finding ways to make the cars quicker and faster. So anyways, what's uh, bonkers. What? It, it really is bonkers, is. man. Um, let's run through quickly. Uh, your winners, Doug Coletta goes back to back scores 50th win in Reading last weekend, follows it up with another win. What can you say about Doug Coletta and the Coletta motorsports team, Alan Johnson, Brian Houston, it's been a minute. It's taken longer than anybody thought it was going to take, but that team is here and they mean business. I honestly think we're going to see a real significant, meaningful championship run out of Doug Coletta. Uh, I almost think that this year, the way success has eluded that team has made them hungrier perhaps than anybody else in the game the right time just when hunger is required they're hungry and i think that this they've got a scent got back-to-back -back wins and i would not want to be lined up opposite doug coletta for the foreseeable future uh, it's been widely reported that he's considered the best driver in top fuel and giving him 
the car required to go rounds, it's a dangerous combination. Switching gears, going to Funny Car. What a weekend for Funny Car Racing. I mean, I first and foremost, Blake, uh, our show producer, mentioned this right off the top of the, the show. Man, big boomer from uh, from uh, Robert Height. A really, really explosive moment, uh, pun intended, I guess, there. Blew the body all the way off this thing. It lifted the front wheels off the ground. Like, that was a serious explosion that we haven't seen in a while. And it's weird because you could see it. As soon as he hit the gas, like misfiring, they uh, in the top end interview, he uh, with Jason Galvin, I believe it was he quick. Robert Height was quick to reference that some sort of valve train issue, something had to have failed um, to cause it to do what it did. And he even noticed that something was wrong as he was staging it, uh, obviously didn't anticipate it, blow, you know, exploding the way that it did. But uh, nonetheless, hell of a weekend for Robert Height, despite going out in the final round to Bob Tasca, the third, who is another guy getting hot at specifically the right time. Robert Height, Matt Hagen, both low ET top speed of the event. Robert Height went 382 with a four. Hell of a run. Wowza, wowza, wowza. Matt Hagen, 333.91. But to me, the the most meaningful competition that I felt like I got my eyes on or what was kind of enamoring to me was pro stock. My goodness, uh, another weekend where Erica Enders and company look like the class of the field set low ET of the weekend, 650 with a nine. Um, you mentioned I mentioned earlier Alan Reinhardt saying that uh, Erica had daylighted the field. Absolutely the case uh, and looked like she had it all but sewn up throughout the course of race day. Um, Matt Hardford goes out in the first round, or excuse me, what did he go out? Second round, actually, it was. Um, still maintaining in a, what was a titanic matchup between himself and Erica Enders. She gets the job done on the little lady bitty baby hole shot, goes 656 to with a seven to Matt's 656 with a four, uh, goes head to head with Greg Anderson, which, JT, is there like a more, is there right. any race that you get up for more as a fan? Than Erica Ender. I don't know that there's another rivalry that even comes close in drag racing. Is there that's Erica awesome. Enders, Greg Anderson? Nothing like red uh, car versus blue yeah, car. That's, yep, that's that, that's that's it right now. I mean, it really is because it's two hey, different camps. You know, yeah, it's like man. the it's like the yeah, it's like throwing your your top dog in from each camp. You know, and yeah, I mean, it's just it's been going on for so long. Yeah, <laughs> you, know, you know what I you mean. Know, I mean, and it's it, it, for me. I want more of this. I, I don't know what it. I don't know if we need a check-ins from these teams every week i don't but there there's a real meaningful rivalry like this is lakers versus celtics i mean it really is and i for whatever anybody wants to argue about wishing there was more variety or there were more teams in pro stock or whatever there's the competition and the the characters the cast of characters in pro stock right now checks in my opinion all the boxes i mean you've got do-it-yourselfers, you've got independents, you've got these super teams, you've got um, men and women, you've got more than one. That The coolest part about the women in pro stock is it's more than one meaningful one. Oftentimes, there's like one girl, one female that's driving a car that's like competitive. It's not like, you know what I mean? And that sucks that that's the case, but it, it oftentimes is the case. The coolest part about that is we've got multiple women in multiple competitive cars. Like um, Camry Caruso, I actually looked at her this weekend after qualifying as something of a dark horse. I think that she could have really ruined the weekend for somebody. Um, I picked her on my uh, shout out Elon Warner in Drag Race Bracket Bonanza.com, but I actually had uh, had Camry uh, making it to the semis uh, this past week, and I really thought that she she had a, a deep run in her two, two rounds ain't nothing. I mean, there are plenty of people spent their entire life trying to qualify for a pro stock race and never got it done. So I don't ever want to make light of it. Um, but Titanic matchup uh, there in the semifinals: Greg Anderson besting 
um, Erica Enders. Uh, Erica left on him 029 to an 043. Um, but man, hell of a run from Greg Anderson. I mean, looking back through here, he made his best run of the weekend um, in the semifinals, right? Yeah, made his best run of the weekend when he had to. Uh, 654 takes out Erica's 59. She got out of the car class uh, act as always. I was wondering if we were going to see. It was a tough moment. I mean, that was a that was a really important race. Uh, and to be on the wrong side of it, considering the weekend they'd had up to that point was, a, am sure a tough pill to swallow for Erica Enders, but she got out, it blew the clutch out of it, drove through the clutch. And I mean, she had to leg it down through there, but it, it sounded to me like it might've been a situation where the shift light was on for like a long time, you know? Um, anyways, hell of a weekend out of Carolina. Yeah. I saw, uh, Brian loans, I think put on uh, Facebook. He said, uh, in terms of what a drag race can be, the Carolina nationals had pretty much all of it. Uh, and, and I agree. I mean, incredible performances, great racing, uh, championship implications, and then some real controversy, right, with the Tony Stewart deal. So it was a tick yep. all boxes weekend. I'm I'm here for it, man. It's uh, but I tell you, we got a ton of drag racing coming up. I mean, going right to St. Louis, NHRA headed to St. Louis. Got some big storylines coming out of St. Louis. Um, PDRA fixing uh, to to kind of get close to putting a bow on their season, heading to Galat and then to Virginia for the World Finals. I mean, it's. There's a lot of big time drag racing going on right now, buddy. There is. Yep. It's pretty crazy. Huge shout out to all the, we, uh, Tom Bailey scores his sixth hot rod drag week win, um, in the unlimited category brings out the original six seconds, uh, Camaro, uh, sounds like they had to do a little bit of work on it, but just a incredible turnout of cars from hot rod drag week. Um, saw our buddy Ned Dunphy do really well in that killer blue uh, Viper. There's some controversy around that too. Apparently, was, I don't know yeah. all the details of this. License We're gonna get it today, something. but yeah, he didn't have. Uh, I think he anticipated being able to get his, his license, license the first day during the first like day. Yeah. Um, apparently, that wasn't the case, and so he ended up going on the full pole, I believe, um, and making all the runs. Ran at least one 640. Like had some really really good runs, especially for like the first week out with that thing. Um, I don't know, man. I got to tell you, when you start to think about all these six second, seven second, even, you know, an eight second cars that are being driven 1500 miles in a week or whatever, I, it's not, again, I can't say enough about where our sport is right now. Like these are a great way to put a bow on this JT. We can argue about it all you want, but we're going to win. Um, these are the glory days of drag racing. There's so many incredible things happening in our sport right now. And it, and it, it crosses boundaries. Like it, it's not just in the NHRA. It's not just IHRA, WDRA. It's not just these prominent sportsman series. It's not just PDRA or Northeast outlaw or Midwest drag racing series or NMCA or NMI. I mean, it's happening everywhere. There are really good things happening everywhere. Not to mention these independent events that are popping up our own events, uh, world series of pro mod, the pro superstar shootout, like these things, this is a great, great time for the sport of drag racing, and I'm just so I feel so uh, blessed to get to be a part of it, man. So let's let's get on with the show. Uh, remember, guys, it, it takes all of us to to spread the gospel of drag racing. It can't just be me and T. It can't just be us. It's going to take all of us to get this sport where it belongs. So click like, click share, click subscribe. Help us spread the gospel of drag racing, and uh, let's get in. All right, guys, let's pay some bills real quick, uh, especially with one of the OGs, one of the one of the companies that stepped up and supported us uh, from day one. Of course, I'm talking about my friends at Stroud Safety. Each and every episode of the West Buck Show is made possible by way of our buddies at Stroud Safety. Stroud Safety is known for their top quality racing safety equipment from drag chutes and seat belts to fire suits and blankets, all 100% 
made in America. Log on to stroudsafety.com today and make sure you tell them we sent you. It's been probably, I think, the feel-good story of the summer. This is one of those happenings that the whole community kind of rallies behind and gets excited about. I don't know that I've seen the kind of outpouring of support on social media for this young man and, and celebrating his accomplishment ever before, to be honest. It's, it's one of those things that just kind of reminds you of the great, incredible spirited people that exist in the sport of drag racing and how they're so quick to celebrate um, others' success. I think that's a really, really unique thing that happens in drag racing is it's, I mean, we're experiencing that right now with the Drag Illustrated 30 Under 30 is I can't get over how many people are excited to celebrate others. And we've perhaps never seen that on display more so than we have in the wake of Donnie Hagar's big win at the Million Dollar Drag Race. So anyways, without any further ado, I'm going to bring Donnie on the show, check in with him. But I do want to remind you guys, click like, click share, click subscribe, help us spread the gospel of drag racing. You have no idea how much that little action means to all of us. So thank you in advance. Huge out, huge shout out to all of our show sponsors, which we will get to here in a few minutes. But anyways, without any further ado, ado ladies and gentlemen, Donnie Hagar, buddy. How you doing, man? You doing all right? Good day? Hey, I'm doing very well. I appreciate you having me on the show. I'm excited to be on it. And uh, yeah, no complaints on my end. Just well, I can imagine very, not, man. I can imagine thank not. Thank you for the kind words. Oh, of course, man. Well, so I guess I think I want to talk about the actual race and how things unfolded at the Million Dollar Drag Race. But before we get there, I would like to learn a little bit about you. Um, we did our research. We did a little research on our end to prepare for this interview. Um, but just reading through some of the stories that were written in the in the days following your big win, um, I come to find your young man from South Central Michigan, uh, Clark Lake, Michigan, small little town, um, 25 years old, kind of a, 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 a what, what I would have called a budget bracket car right like not the latest grace greatest 450 dragster or whatever um it's an incredible little story so why don't you start with like how long have you been involved in the sport of drag racing i mean is your dad a drag racer your grandpa a drag racer i mean or how did this i mean how did your interest in drag racing come to be yeah my dad is a uh, first generation racer and as far as i can remember i you know i've been going to the track ever since ever since i can remember so my dad got me involved and um, it's it's all I can think about and all I've ever done. All, you know, it's just part of who I am. So. So it's always the case, right? I tell people that all the time is it's like I grew up at the racetrack and honestly, it's all I care to do. Like I always that's part of our little intro to the show. It's one of my voiceovers, but it's it's true. It's been my passion for as long as I've been alive. And it's always been like the de facto hobby. Like if we have free time, we're going racing. If we have free time during the week, we're working on race cars. So, so take us through like your pathway to getting behind the wheel. Uh, did you start out in juniors? Did your dad put you in a junior or, or how did you first uh, get to racing yourself? Yeah, well, nope. I started when I was 16 years old. Um, um, no juniors for me. I started out in a daily driver my first year and, uh, uh, 2015, I got a, a Pontiac Firebird. It was just a street car. And um, I drove that for several years, just, you know, racing on the local scenes. And um, about 2018, I had uh, somebody offer me to drive, you know, an actual drag car. And that's kind of where, uh, that's kind of where it all started for me, really. 
I started, you know, hit, hitting up some of the bigger races and having a lot more success. So for about, so for about three years, I was driving for somebody else. And, um, two years ago is, is when I got my Vega and, uh, you know, here we are now. It's, uh, yeah, you went, uh, two years ago into the winner's circle at the, the million. That's a pretty significant, uh, little journey there. So like, did you start out where, like, what's the local tracks that you go to when you like weekend race and whatnot? So, uh, local track us one thirty one motorsports yeah. park in Michigan. That's my home track. I'd consider also Milan dragway, mid Michigan motorplex. And, um, those are probably the three I've been to the most, but also, uh, Norwalk, Ohio. And, you know, there are a couple other racetracks in Michigan, but, uh, us one thirty one, I would say by far is, where I grew up racing at and still go to. Do you, what, so I guess let's, let's move forward towards the million here. So I'd love to know like the story of, uh, so your typical racing schedule is a lot of racing at those aforementioned tracks, right? Um, when did like going to a big, is this your first like foray into quote unquote big money bracket racing? This is, I haven't been to a, a ton of, you know, big races, but I have ran a million dollar race before. It wasn't this particular event. It was a SFG promotions in Michigan two years ago, I believe it was. So, um, I've been to a handful of big money races, you know, not a ton of success. My biggest win was a 10 K race before this. Um, and, um, yeah, this was kind of a, a last second decision for me. So take us through that. I mean, the, the journey to the million-dollar drag race. So you're sitting at home, and you get a wild hair and decide that you're going to throw your hat into the ring at the million-dollar drag race. Take us through kind of your thought process um, leading up to that decision. Yeah, so, you know, you know, I was thinking about it here and there. They, this is the first year they had a no-box um, uh, category with the million. So it was a $2,000 bonus, and that's what I do. I, I, you know, I'm a no-boxer. And um, – you know, it was kind of weighing on my mind. I'm like, man, I, you know, I just feel like I should go, you know, why not? It's, you know, what I want to do. It's, you know, you know, hitting these local races all the time isn't going to, you know, necessarily put me where I, where I know I'm capable of being. So, you know, I just, I kind of had a couple of visions of me winning, to be honest, and I just had something just pushing me to go. And, uh, you know, I had to work, I, I had to work that week. But I had, um, you know, I had Friday through Sunday off and the mil the day of the million was on Friday. So it was kind of a, uh, you know, I was kind of, you know, maybe I was going to go, you know, last second. And then uh, I talked to my dad and, you know, he convinced me that, you know, I'm capable and I should go give it a try. So that uh, that Thursday afternoon, I loaded up and made the uh, seven hour drive there. I took a couple hour nap you know, in the middle of the night. And I, I pulled in at about 8.30 a.m., barely made a time trial and, uh, you know, fought through, fought through <laughs> the field. The rest is history. The West Buck Show is brought to you by way of flowracing.com. If you're a drag racer or a hardcore drag racing fan, you got to get on board with Flow Racing. The world leader in sports live streaming, Flow Racing provides unlimited access to drag racing's biggest events like Donald's Long, Donald Long's Lights Out, No Mercy, and Sweet 16. 
every stop on the PDRA and NMCA tours, Funny Car Chaos, World Cup Finals, Streetcar Super Nationals, the fast approaching Skag Power Equipment Pro Superstar Shootout presented by JHG, the Drag Illustrated World Series of Pro Mod, and much much more. Personally, flow racing is a fixture in my life. I'm able to follow along with multiple racing events from the comfort of my own home or while I'm out on the road. The platform provided by flow racing is changing drag racing for the better, and there is literally no limit to the good they can do here. So log on to flowracing.com today and join them. Okay, so let's just let's set the stage for the folks that are like, I don't know how many of our viewers are tuned in to the nuances of these big money bracket races, but, um, and, and you can back me up on this or chime in on this if you would like, Donnie, but it's like a lot of the people that participate in these events are there for the duration, right? I mean, they're there with stacker trailer, probably a spare car or another car that's entered in a different category. They've got the big colossal motor home. They're there for the week. They sure as hell aren't missing an, an opportunity for a time trial. Cause I think, and, and so I think that said, it just makes this whole story that much more interesting and, and that much more inspiring that you showed up the day of the race, unload this thing. So what's it go? What do you run off the trailer? It runs like low sixes, right? In the eighth mile. Yeah. It's typically a six forty car in eighth okay. mile there. A little fast, fastest it's ever been. It was like six thirty-seven, I believe, on my time run, and uh, I stayed there pretty much all day. Car, that was one thing. The car was excellent. Didn't didn't throw me any curveballs, but uh, yeah, you know, one of my thoughts was, you know, they were racing since Tuesday, and and they were they had so many entries. I think they had like seven hundred entries. Yeah, the first couple of days, and um, I was like, man, you know. Maybe these people won't be as fresh, won't be as sharp by day four, you know, so. Do you like, think I'll that try. contributed to it? I mean, I, we're bouncing around here a little bit now, but I do think that one of the things that I really wanted to talk about today and I think is for me is interesting is just the strategy. So like the strategy is playing out in your head the week of the race. You're going, you're not even at the track, but you're thinking to yourself, holy cow, there may be an opportunity as these guys start to get a little bit worse uh for wear right they've been there all week and you show up fresh as as fresh can be you know for a guy that's working through the week um and driving to the racetrack so that right, that but, uh, actually entered your head absolutely yeah i mean uh, me personally day three or four i just feel start to get a little worn out i just don't feel maybe maybe that's not the case maybe if you got a motor home and stuff you know i'm always roughing it but uh I'm usually better day one, day two, and, you know, I haven't been there. I haven't traveled much, so I kind of figured, you know, people may not know me, and uh, they may be tired. I mean, I mean, these races were, like I said, we're getting done at 3, 4 in the morning, you know, and starting back over again in a couple of hours. So I just, uh, you know, I, you know, uh, also, I'm not trying to jump all over the place, but no, um, good, there's a racer I look up to named Scotty Richardson, and he, uh, I think the week prior he showed up for one day in Columbus, Ohio and won a hundred grander yeah. and left. And he kind of inspired <laughs> me to do the same. I'm like, well, maybe, you know, maybe I can do that too. Uh, it gives but, me uh, chills, man. Like, cause I just, I think that that is the the coolest part of this whole thing. And I, and I talk to folks about this all the time. I, I, I use, I say this line all the time. I do it on purpose, but it's, you know, calling drag racing, the great American motorsport. But I just think about how much, how true that is when looking at it through the lens of what you accomplished, like one day at the racetrack with a, a race car that is 
I mean, every, it's all relative, right? But it's, it's something that a young person can aspire to have. Like what you're racing, your race operation is not something that's beyond the scope of most people. Like if you've, if you're working for a living, you can probably put together a program that looks a lot like Donnie Hagar's and potentially win the biggest bracket race in the world, you know? So it's that we, I don't know that those things can be said enough. And I appreciate your willingness to come on here and talk about them because so often our sport and we're, we're guilty of this here at drag illustrated. I mean, you, it's, you, you kind of go after the big stories and the big needle moving people, but like some of the most impactful and most really difference making like, a, a happening that makes a difference in our sport are around people such as yourselves that are, you know, just breaking onto the scene or maybe known locally or regionally, but are becoming nationally known or internationally known for that matter. And it's, uh, I think it's just good for young folks to see that that opportunity exists. Cause all the time I talk about, I hear about, man, the barrier to entry for drag racing is too high. Like it's just, it's too expensive. You can never go racing. Like, well, I, I called BS on that because I got a guy right here in front of me that, you know, found a way. So I just think right. it's incredible. So anyways, I'm, I'm rambling, but go back to, you decide to load up Friday morning. For those that don't know, Donnie's a, a firefighter and an EMT. Whenever I try to get you on this show last week, you, you could, you were working a 24 hour shift and couldn't, like, yeah. Yeah, it's like you're, you're like, hey, man, we may we may get interrupted. Let's wait till next week. And I thought, you know what, let's let's do that. But I, I wanted to reference it because it's another thing that just sells you to the masses, in my opinion, is it like you're working a regular job? Well, actually, not even a regular. You're working 24 hour shifts in a firehouse. Um, thank you for for what you do, buddy. But so take Absolutely. us Friday morning. You load up, you drive down. How far is it to St. Louis from from Clark Clark Lake? Yeah, it's a seven hour drive, about okay. 400. 50 miles, give or take. So you get down not, there, 450 not, miles. That's a pretty rough morning. Um, all night drive sounds like, what'd you leave at 10 o'clock? The night no, before? No. Uh, so I left Thursday night at about about 8 p.m. Okay. So I, uh, I got to Illinois about two hours from the track and took a maybe a three-hour nap, which that probably wasn't the best strategy. You know, <laughs> I'm saying I'm going to be, you know, fresh and sharp, but I managed to, find, you know, find a way. So, yeah, we took a little nap got there you know 8 30 a.m and um you know between rounds out you know i was trying to rest and and do what i do what i needed to needed to do to feel right but uh you know i was feeling a little you know i was struggling a little bit early on but once you know i started going i think the adrenaline and um all that kicked in how many rounds okay so we we run 637 off the trailer and you have one time trial one time trial, and I single. Is that energy. standard? Yeah, you okay. sometimes get too, but anymore it's pretty standard. Yeah, my dad would have like our growing up racing. That would have been like cause for fight. <laughs> I mean, like one time right. trial. My dad, we didn't. It didn't matter what time we got to the racetrack, late, early, somewhere in the middle. If we only got one time trial, we were complaining to somebody mid <laughs> midway through the day one of us was going to the tower to complain. I mean, it's just what we do as racers, I guess. But yeah. um, so one time trial, what do you dial in E1? E1, we, uh, well, my car had never ran in the 630s before. So I was actually a little skeptical about dialing that low. So I put a uh, 641 on the window, which was not the best idea, but it ended up working out. So yeah, so we put a, you put a 641 on the window. What's it go out there and run? 
it ran a 642. I was, uh, I was out of the throttle a little bit. I, you know, I was getting there by quite a bit and we can't go under, as you know. So, yep. So I was 642 out of the on a 641 dial. You dumped him early. How much finish line racing are you doing in that? I mean, is that like that on the outside looking in? And I'm like first to admit that all the, the nuances of this big league bracket racing is, is beyond goes over my head probably. Right. But, um, T- take me through like some of your race day strategy. So you're, you're trans break, right? For yep. your foot break. Tra- okay. Yeah. Trans break. Yeah. Okay. So no delay box. You're going no up delay. there, leaving off the button. And then you get out, you see you have him covered. He's not going to catch you and you dump him early. Right. So you go right. 642 in the first round. How many rounds of eliminations did it end up being? Yeah, it was 10 rounds. Jeez Louise. And I single entered, you know, these races, you, you're allowed to up to two entries, but. It was a $2,000 entry fee and, you know, kind of a lot for me. So oh, I was dude, just it's like, a lot for anybody, buddy. <laughs> right. It really is, man. These things, it's funny. Um, I'm all for, like, I don't, uh, I never pile on the way that people tend to want to pile on with these entry fees. Cause I know what goes into putting on these races and I know how hard it is to raise money and how hard sponsorships are to come by. And even when you get them, I know how much, how difficult it's like they say about help. Good helps hard to find. Well, it, once you find it, it's even harder to keep it. That's my experience. And I think the same can be said for, for sponsors, like sponsorships are hard to come by, but they're even harder to keep over the long term. And so when I see these entry fees, I never want to like, I don't ever want to be the guy that like, oh, that's crazy. Or they're making, I don't ever want to be that guy. However, I don't want to make light of the fact that two grand to enter is not nothing like that. You know, especially you talk about the guys that are entering multiple cars, multiple days. I mean, it becomes a real big bite really, really quick. So I just, I don't want anyone to ever give you a hard time or make you feel, because it's a lot of money to anybody. A $2,000 entry fee is a lot. Um, oh, yeah. So 10 yeah. rounds of racing. I think people maybe don't, understand the significance of winning 10 rounds of racing take us through that journey and what your day looked like give me some times like paint a picture here because i'm i'm dying to know you're talking about trying to get sleep between rounds or get some rest um talk to us about your maintenance program and or what you have to do through the throughout the day so first round win 642 on a 641 dial what was your light you remember i, I was 003 first round of course you are Okay. No, for the uh, first time trial, I was 001, and um, I had somebody, I had a, a friend there who, who told me that the tree was pretty similar to uh, US 131, my home track, so thankfully I kind of knew where to set up at. What do you mean when you say that? Like uh, it's similar well, from track, like the positioning of it? Track, the... Sometimes like the rollout of the beams. Yeah. Or the okay, yeah. I didn't know if you were talking little... about rollout, yeah. Yeah. So they were. He was saying that he didn't change a thing, you know, from uh, one thirty-one to St. Louis. But yeah, you know, I just I was just taking it one round at a time. Really, I mean, uh, you know, like the goal was not to buy back. You know, there was first round buybacks, which was five hundred dollars, and uh, you know that was the first goal. Win round one, and um, you know didn't have to buy back, and basically my car. You know, I, I don't have to do a whole lot to it. So I win the round, you know, go go charge it up, fuel it up, and, you know, you wait. And How quick are these rounds happening, Donnie? What's that? How quick are these rounds happening? Like, is it 
I mean, is it like round robin? Is it happening pretty fast? Like, oh, oh not at the beginning. Okay. I mean, we started so many cars, right? Like noon, and we didn't finish until three thirty in the morning. So early on, I mean, we had three, four hours between rounds. Oh, you had a lot of time to kind of, you know, sit and think. And, you know, the more the race goes on, the faster, you know, it goes. But basically early on, I was just one round at a time. Hey, guys, let me take a minute here to remind you that each and every episode of the West Buck Show is made possible by way of our friends at Redline Synthetic Oils. Redline has a reputation with racers and hardcore enthusiasts for creating products that perform and protect better than any on the market, and they've been doing it since 1979. Whether it's your race car, your tow rig, your motorcycle, or your lawnmower, when you think about lubricants, you need to think about Redline. For more information, log on to redlineoil.com. What's the atmosphere like at these big money bracket races? Like I've been to a handful of Brit uh, Cummings events, like the Great American Million, um, the Dream Team event at Memphis. I've been to a handful of Brits races, but um, I've actually never been to the Million. And after watching it all unfold uh, in St. Louis, which is near where I was born and raised, I was thinking next year we should go. Um, But anyway, we had a photographer there and covered the event, of course, but I don't get to all of them. I'm just curious, like what's the atmosphere like? Is it pretty... Like during that Friday, for instance, like, can you describe like the atmosphere? Is it pretty, I mean, can you sense the intensity in the air? Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Can sense the intensity. You know, I can just, it's just a very uh, professional, well-run event, but I can, you know, feel the the, the tension, the intense, you know, intensity, um, you know, we're, you know, it's, it's one of the biggest bracket races that there is so it's been going on for almost three decades no one's ever done what you did winning this race without a delay box tell was there any round that like stuck out to you as far as like something that you didn't think i mean there it almost always takes one lucky round right um and that's in a three or four round drag race a five round drag race let alone a 10 round drag race i tell people all the time it's hard to win tic-tac-toe three or four times in a row let alone a freaking drag race 10 times in a row so was there a round that you thought oh boy this this could have been the one that got me yeah the uh, semi-final down to three cars that sticks out to me um i had a very good racer mikey bloomfield and a dragster and uh, i'll be honest the last couple rounds before that i was kind of i wasn't super great on the tree i was kind of just you know barely getting by and i knew against him that i was going to have to make a change and um Basically, what I did was, I think I think the last, you know, two, three rounds, I was like 20, 17, and 18. And I'm like, that's that's only going to work so much. So I, I think I, I turned the launch RPM up 200 RPM that round in the semis from 3,800 to 4,000 to uh, try to get a better light. And I was 004, and he was 006, and we were both dead on. I was dead on with a zero, and he was dead on with a three. So that was like, that was probably my uh, closest run, obviously. So at this point in the day, like even before then, when did like, uh, there had to have been a crowd start to gather. Like as people were falling away and it was becoming like more and more clear, like that you're going rounds, right? When was there, did you sense it at the event? Like did people start? like infiltrating your pits or coming and patting you on the back? I mean, were people getting behind you? Could you, could you see that happening the way we're seeing it in the weeks following? 
Yeah, maybe not quite as much, but um, man, I know a couple of my neighbors, you know, in the pit area were helping me, seeing if I needed a hand with anything. And, you know, for the most part back in the pits, I was able to just kind of remain composed and do do what I needed to do. I'm a pretty, uh, I'm, you know, I'm pretty introverted, so I, I, I usually just hang out by myself. But as the rounds went on, the more, you know, the bigger the crowd you've seen on the side of the track, so there was definitely, uh, you know, more people watching. But at the same time, it was like, you know, three, four in the morning. So I think some people were sleeping. So it wasn't it wasn't maybe as big as it usually is. But well, I think it's been interesting because it felt like um, TJ Pruitt at Drag Coverage, longtime friend of ours here, um, great human being. Uh, but he started like he started making posts about you uh, as the day was wearing on. And it's like, OK, here's this guy that rolled through the gates with like a half ton four wheel drive pickup truck, Chevy pickup truck, pulling an open trailer with a early 70s Vega and a small block Chevy in it. Um, like and it's so funny, like any car guy, like how many times have you heard 383? Right. Like 10 million times I've heard those three digits together. Right. And it's uh, it's like the tried and true one of it's that or what a 406 probably is like the tried and true small block Chevy hot rod engine combos. Um, it, it just like I said, I think it's so relatable. We've talked here on this show and on the pages of the magazine and drag everywhere else about how at times it's felt like the real a big part of like the popularity of like heads up radio racing or even the no prep Kings guys or street outlaws has been built on the back of that relatability. Like there's obviously this whole Hollywood star drama component, obviously reality TV component, but there's also like the relatability of the cars. And I think that it's interesting that the, the car and the driver that are kind of putting this race over. Cause let's be honest, this race has been going on for a long time and I'm not trying to downplay it at all. Um, past winners or anything like that, but, even 28 years in George Howard's baby that the folk family have taken over and done an incredible job with like, this feels like one of the most talked about wins in that whole 28 year history. And I think it has a lot to do Donnie with your relatability. I mean, what have you been hearing from the masses? Like I saw the shirts that all your friends were wearing at the track. Um, maybe just this last weekend, like, Hey, my daughter's really sweet. And I know Donnie and it was, the coolest thing uh what do you sense that man i mean i sure do and i'm not i'm a million miles removed like people are really excited that you won this race like and what and it goes beyond donnie it's what donnie represents a do-it-yourselfer uh do it the hard way uh do it with with regular equipment i mean are you sensing that buddy yeah, absolutely. I am. You know, the the, uh, the support and attention I've I've received has just meant the world to me, and um, it it's still just so surreal to be honest. But um, yeah. Uh, sorry, I don't even know what to say. I just no. Totally... It, 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 I mean, it's kind of amazing, man. I mean, because honestly, of all the people that have won this race, and I almost printed up a list, but I just thought, I don't know that there's. Like in pro wrestling, the term that people use or the phrase is like when a wrestler gets put over and that's like when the fans kind of wrap their like accept them and go, you know what, I'm going to cheer for this guy or I'm going to hate this guy. Right. Whenever you like turn to turn into a heel or a bad guy. Right. And like right. you like you've got this deal has you've helped. It's interesting. Like 
the million has put Donnie over, but Donnie has helped put the million over. And I think that that's what is so cool about this and so interesting is for all the people that could have won that race and, and all the incredible equipment and incredibly accomplished and talented racers that were there, the story would not be the same if you're not sleeping on a tent and rolling, sleeping in a tent and rolling through the gates with an open trailer, you know, that's kind of ironic about the tent. You know, I brought the tent with me, but I actually never slept in it because, you know, (laughs) ran the final, you know, I I drove all night and then we ran the final at 4am. So I just stayed up for the next day. But, uh, my goodness. When'd you go home? When did I go? I left, uh, so I did They had one more race on Saturday. Yeah. Yeah, so I I think I went like double O three red second round, and uh, so I left there, and um, you know, you know I loved to race, so I was looking around and seeing if there was any tracks on the way home, and there was a Central Illinois Dragway they were running on Sunday, yeah. so I Havana, yeah, Havana. That's a cool little track, right? I've been there a hundred times, man. It's a really cool little track. They've spent some money on it. The place is nice. Um, yeah, it's yeah, they- a it's a cool spot. They redid the pits, new timing system. It was 14000 to win. It was a, yeah, it was a nice time. So I'm dying to know, what did your dad say? I mean, you talked about your dad telling you that we were good enough and that you should go and that you have a shot. What, like, tell me, like, take me through the time from you go through the finish line. When did you know you won? Did you see the win light? Yeah. So, you know, we staged up and, and, you know, when I left, it felt like that could, I felt like I could have went red when I left. Like I knew it was close and then it stayed green and there was a lot of relief because I was like, Ooh, that was good. You know? And then like right after that, you know, he went red and then I seen my wind light and, uh, it just, it was just weird. You know, I, uh, I'm pretty composed and I just like, I was super thankful, but it just kind of, I don't know why I didn't like get super excited. Like internally I was, but I just, so I seen it about right after I took off basically. So you got this thing fired wall, firewalled. You go down through there. What's it run in the final? It ran a 638 on a 637. And there was a bunch of people at the finish line cheering me on. And for some reason I ripped the throttle like twice right before the uh, finish line. <laughs> I would have been dead on. I'm kind of <laughs> But uh, uh, but for some reason you ripped the throttle. It's probably because you just won the million dollar drag race and you've got it, a freaking cheering section in the fit at the finish line stripe. So you go down around, you make the turn. What, like t- what happens next? I mean, d- I'm waiting for you to say I called my dad. Like or or who did you call or who was the first person you called? Well, um, so I made the run and I felt like I was perfect on the tree. So I had to get my time slip and find out. <laughs> And uh, I was 005. So first person I talked to was a timesheet lady, and she was super, you know, pumped for me. Yeah. But, uh, you know, they were waiting for me at, at the winter circle. And uh, so I grabbed the time slip. I was 005. And then I was driving back to the winter circle. And um, my dad called me on the way to the winter circle. And I I answered it, but my car was running. And I basically only got a, we basically only got a couple words off and he was just super proud of me, super happy. He stayed up, you know, it was four 30 Eastern time where we're from. And, uh, so we basically just got a couple words in. He was, you know, super happy. And, and then basically I went to the winter circle and, you know, did all that. And then at, right after I got back, I called him and he was just tickled. 
Hey folks, I want to give a quick shout out to my buddies at Aeromotive Fuel System, a brand built on passion and performance. Three generations deep, they're not just making fuel systems, they're building a legacy. They've redefined what racers expect from their fuel systems by way of an unwavering commitment to quality and a spirit of innovation that has existed since day one. So if you're looking to upgrade your fuel system or change the game for your racing program when it comes to your fuel system needs, make sure you check out the gang at Aeromotive. That's Aeromotive Inc., inc.com trust me these guys are the real deal do you think take us through or or tell me a little bit about just racing at the million um it feels like the folk family uh new home and worldwide at worldwide technology raceway park um or whatever it's called i can't i butcher it every time um but anyways in outside of st louis right uh we all know and know it as gateway um but like, what was, I mean, what was your takeaway from racing at the million? I mean, I hear all the time about how that event has a, a very special vibe. It's a great atmosphere, the pomp and circumstance. They do a fantastic job with all the winnings and all the, the, the excitement and hubbub that they create after the fact. I mean, were you overwhelmed by that? I mean, like just getting to know you a little bit here, like um, I'm sure that was a little bit out of your comfort zone to like be such the center of attention for such an extended it, period of time. Yeah, that's, you know, obviously I'm not, you know, I keep to myself. I'm, you know, I don't have a whole lot to say usually, but yeah. So when I won, I was, I think I was more overwhelmed by the, uh, what was ahead with the winner circle interview than the actual final itself. But, uh, <laughs> yeah, it was, uh, the track itself, the venue was amazing. It was, uh, I had no complaints. I mean, it was a beautiful, beautiful facility. There was the track itself was smooth. There was no, no traction issues that I, that I seen no timing issues. I mean, I think they picked a, they picked an excellent location, pretty central, centrally located. And, um, yeah, it just felt like a very uh, professional atmosphere and a lot of prizes, you know, they, they just did it right. And, you know, I, at that point when I was in the final, I was pretty, uh, I was, you know, super pumped, but honestly really tired because I had only gotten two hours of sleep, two to three hours of sleep. And then here it is four in the morning. And I think I did like a, you know, 24 hour shift the day before. So I was kind of just, you know, a little out of sorts, but, um, man, Uh. it, it, it just, it feels like a dream to be honest. It just, I wish I was, I wish I was like more awake and more, uh, excited at the time I, I was but i just didn't show it i guess well i mean and it's like and that's kind of what makes this stuff interesting right it's because everybody's different and everybody handles these things differently and i, I think that you're like aw shucks about this is actually awesome and hilarious simultaneously and it it's right. more it may i think it's even makes people uh, it's endearing like it's an endearing yeah. quality like that you're uh that you are so like laissez-faire about this. I think it's hilarious to be honest. You know what I mean? Cause I know plenty of racers that would like literally be having planes flying over, dragging a banner that right. says I won the million dollar drag race just so everybody knows, right? Like buying full page ads in the local paper to make sure that right. everybody knows that they won this race and you're like playing it off, going back to work. I want to talk about work because that is something that, resonates in our in our sport a lot because most everybody that does this no matter how successful you are it's a a, it's a passion driven hobby right and there are people that earn a living doing it don't get me wrong um but i would love to know like 
so you're back to work. I mean, whenever I talked to you, you were headed back into a, a 24 hour shift at the firehouse. So what, what is your, your job? What do you do away from the racetrack? I mean, at the firehouse and such. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm a firefighter EMT. So it's like 90% EMS calls basically. And, uh, a little bit of, you know, a little bit of fires here and there, but, um, yeah, so just run, you know, 911 calls and, you know, thankfully where I work at, they're pretty on board. I, I work uh, typically Monday and Wednesday, two 24-hour shifts, and um, I pick up overtime here and there. So it works pretty well with my racing schedule. So, yeah, you know, I raced, I finished, I went to Central Illinois on Sunday, and then I had to get back because I had to be back to work on Monday. But uh, that's what straight I do. to the firehouse and uh, uh, another 24 hour shift. So what's the future look like, buddy? Like um, where where do you head next or how like what how uh, how far away from home do you typically venture for your racing endeavors? I mean, what's the end of the season look like for you? Yeah, so typically I race pretty locally and, you know, maybe uh, two, three, four events. You know, I'll, I'll go as far as, you know, three, four hours away. You know, maybe once a year I'll I'll go far away. But uh, this upcoming weekend I'm going to Norwalk, Ohio. They have a $20,000 no-box race, but that's only two and a half hours away. And, um, and I'm going to Darlington, South Carolina for the World Finals. I won my local point series at 131, so – I qualified for the world finals. It's like 20,000 to win down there. And then, what do you uh, make of uh, two things I want to talk about before uh, we get, we get wrapped up, but the, one of the first ones, and I don't know how comfortable you are talking about this. I hope you are. Um, one of the questions that I get, and you would be blown away about how many people don't understand the way the payouts work at these races. Um, right. Like even like NHRA funny car drivers that are active today, don't have any idea about buybacks, double entries, um, splits, all that stuff. So when can you kind of take us through like how that happens? Like is a, is a conversation about splitting, does that happen pretty early in the day? Do people start talking about that 10 rounds of racing? Where's like the marker where people start talking about the split? Yeah. So for this uh, particular event, um, well, to start off with, I haven't been involved in uh, a big split like this before, or a big money race, so this was kind of new to me. But I knew that roughly, you know, 16 cars or less, maybe more, <clears throat> maybe more, would uh, the conversation would start. So for this event, the sixth round, there was 23 cars left, and um, I was actually one of the people pushing for a split because um, – I think at that point it was 3000 to lose in the sixth round, you know, and I'm like, man, we got to split this a little bit, you know, cause I just, I was just super, you know, thankful just to be there in that position. So they were trying to rush us because, you know, it was like one, two in the morning and, and I was like, no, like, you know, I was like running around like, no, we got to start splitting this up. So basically, you know, people were on board and, um, when I you believe. say running around, like, are these conversations happening in the pits? Or are they happening yeah, in the lanes? Staging lanes. Okay. Uh, I was, like, going up to people, like, hey, are we going to start splitting now, you know? Because how much money was it? It was, like, it was a shitload. It was, like, five, nine. Well, how much it, was it? It was 590000 to win. And at that point, with the round money, we had a little over 700000 total. 
So basically the staff came around and people started doing math and um, we ended up splitting that round at uh, 23 cars, sixth round. It was 10,000 to lose that round. And I was just pumped about that. I'm like, sweet, you know, I only have 2,000 into this plus travel expenses, you know. I'm Which happy the with tent, that. you know, you got like 80 bucks. I'm just messing with right. you. Right. Yeah. Yep. So, yeah, so, so 23 harder. cars are left. You split at 10. Did they like, so how do you stair step it? I'm just like trying to learn here. Like, so how do you guys, like, what was the proposed breakdown or how does that kind of go when you're having those conversations? Cause I'm sure like having done some of this, you know, pro mod races with big payouts and stuff, like everybody's got a pretty, like, this is a polarizing conversation, eh? Right. Yeah. I mean, it, it, people either are a hundred percent on board with it. Cause like you said, I was actually having a conversation with a team owner a couple of weeks ago talking about splits. And it's like, you're, in, you're almost, I can totally make an argument either way. Like I can make an argument for like being the badass that rather go down in a, you know, hail of gunfire or whatever um, and have the whole thing, you know, go home empty handed and, and feel like a man or whatever. But I also understand the business logic going like, Hey, look, there's 23 of us. Only one of us is going to win. Let's find a way to make sure that this is a good deal for everybody involved. Yeah. Um, we don't walk away ahead. Yeah. Right. So anyways, to, g- give us a little bit more info on the breakdown. Cause I think that people are going to really find this interesting. Yeah. Uh, should I give like specific numbers or just, if you don't mind. Yeah. yeah. I mean, Cause it's, yeah. Basically, um, I'm not, I, I didn't, re- I wasn't like, I, all I wanted to do was split. I wasn't, there was like a small group, like figuring out numbers. I'm not sure who came up with the ex- exact numbers, but, the proposed breakdown was 200,000 to win, 112,000 runner up, um, 60,000 to the semis, 40,000 to the quarters, um, 20,000 to lose at 12, and then 10,000 to lose at uh, 23 cars left, the sixth round. And apparently that came out to 700,000 or however much the pot right. was. And that, uh, uh, yeah. And we kept it that way. So we in the sixth round, that was the proposed breakdown, and that's just how it was. Man, I think that uh, for me personally, and I'm not like trying to make this like some uh, heroic thing or whatever, but I, I can't. I don't know how to say this. I can't tell you how exciting it is for me personally to hear about 23 racers splitting up $700,000 at a bracket race a couple of weeks ago. I mean, like yeah. this is, it's an amazing thing to think about. Like the, the number of racers that went home with a considerable amount of money in their pocket on the back of this race. Like I hope the folk family, the people at gateway, like everybody involved, all these racers that contribute to this, all these sponsors, like, holy moly, what a moment for the sport of drag racing to send I mean, not like let's table the fact that we got a 25 year old kid winning 200 grand, you know, in a, you know, you could buy 10 of your cars with that. Right. Um, Maybe more, maybe more. I mean, it's unbelievable, but, but that's overshadowing a little bit. Like the fact that the runner up got a hundred grand or over a hundred grand, all that money. I mean, that's, doesn't that blow your mind a little bit? Like just saying this out loud. Does it does. I mean, it, it still doesn't seem real to me, but maybe, maybe one day. Yeah, but maybe yeah, one day. Real. All right. So, yeah. hey, closing notes. Couple things. I want to, uh, and I appreciate your being so candid um, with us. Does this change the future for you? Does this make you go, okay, if I can be double O, if I can win the million in my seventy, uh, what two or three Vega with a three eighty three small block and a power glide, if I can win the million with this thing. 
no box. Like maybe there is a, I mean, do you, do you think maybe there's something bigger or more, not that there's anything much bigger than this, but like, is there more right. of this out there for you, Donnie? Do, is that like, do you start to reconsider like your station in life going, you know what, maybe I should, maybe I'm going to end up with a, or, or, do, or do you love doing it this way? And wouldn't it change anything for the world? Well, um, I definitely think I'm going to invest back into my program. You know, I think the 10 days are gone now. But uh, I definitely think I'm going to get a newer truck, enclosed trailer. And basically, you know, it gives me the opportunity to uh, venture out a little more and hit some of these bigger races. Because, you know, it's what I love to do. It's, you know, one of the few things that I feel like I'm pretty good at. And, um, you know, I, it just, it gives me opportunity to just get out there more. So I definitely see myself traveling a little bit more in the future. I'm not a hundred percent sure, but, um, that's, you know, I'm definitely, uh, I would say going to venture out and try to hit, see hit the world something. a little bit. Right. I mean, there's so many incredible races that you could go. And even if you did a handful of a year, like a handful a year, not, because I love the notion of our million dollar drag race winner staying racing locally and staying a part of the local regional scene. But I do think that you're going to find yourself. Uh, is your phone ringing with people wanting to put you in their car yet? Cause I have a feeling that's going to happen. Oh, not yet. It's going to probably I've had. Yeah. You know, I've had people, you know, wanting to want me to go to some of these bigger races right away. And it's like, man, I just need a little time off just to, understand what just happened but uh <laughs> you know it, it wears you out you know going to some of these big races consistently i could imagine but uh yeah right. I think, so I think, tell me oh go ahead I, i'm sorry no no you're right i'm just kind of repeating myself not not a ton i basically just you know upgrade my equipment a little bit and figure out the best way to handle my money and what to do with it and uh it gives me more opportunity to go out there and on a bigger stage more consistently so that's that's it well and that's a huge victory in and of itself anytime the sport of drag racing provides you the opportunity to race more or get better equipment on the back of what you've earned racing i mean that's a great place to find yourself so um kind of uh one of the things i want to touch on is the drag illustrated 30 under 30 this is a program that we've been doing for seven years uh this will be the eighth time through uh, it's something that we here are personally like really really proud of and you're like an ideal candidate for the drag illustrated 30 under 30 and i guess i just wanted to find a way here real quick to to provide some value to all the young folks out there that are probably listening to this or watching this like waiting for you to drop you know like secrets and knowledge like how do you win the million dollar drag race if you had to tell somebody like a handful of things that contributed to winning the million dollar race what would they be like give somebody a coach coaching session a couple of minutes here what how do you win the million well i mean first off you know you know you got you got to really want it i believe i believe you know i think it's a lot of it's mental for me anyway you know you talked about visualization right i mean absolutely yeah, I mean, I feel like you just got to be, you know, you got to want it bad. You got to want it more than anybody else. And, um, you know, obviously having a, a, you know, a pretty good car that runs a number is a big part of it too, but it's just, it's just staying focused. It's just, um, you just, you know, you just got to stay locked in and 
just be very focused at the task task on hand and stay in the present moment and just just is there anything that you find sometimes it's not about what you do it's what you don't do right is there anything that you find yourself not doing like um just as an example you hear like nba players that don't get on twitter or social media during the playoffs right like do you find yourself like is there anything that you find yourself not doing when you're trying to be locked in and focused uh, like you were in gateway oh yeah well a lot less social media i'm trying to stay off my phone you know when i race when i race I tend to not eat so much, you know, I kind of, I, I barely eat or I eat light meals. I don't want to, don't want to make myself tired or fatigued or anything. So I'm basically just, you know, eliminating stuff like that and just on honestly just trying to stay very present in the moment and just, I just, I've done it so many times. I've had so much seat time that I just feel like my body, like I know what to do. I just try to get out of my own head, really. I just try. Some people say, don't think. That's what I try to do, honestly. I just try to like, I'm just, it's like I know what to do instinctively. Where's the trans brake button in your car? It's right on the right side of the wheel. Just, okay. just not on the wheel, but just to the right of it. There's a bracket. Is it one of those big ass buttons? It is. It's a Terminator. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so right on the right hand. All right. So you roll. Okay. I was just curious right. if you had it on the shifter. It seems like almost everybody's got it on the steering wheel these days. Right. Cause you've got an, you've got that thing's got an electric shifter. So it's shifting itself. Um, yeah, I was just curious. What a deal, man. So, okay. So where are you going next, Donnie? Where, where's the next time out? When can we see Norwalk, the racetrack? Oh yeah. Two weeks. Yeah. yeah you just told me that Norwalk. Yeah. Norwalk, Ohio yeah. for the 20 grander. Um, we got to get some people there to get some pictures of you. So I was trying to make sure. Cause I was like, I have a funny feeling we're going to need some photos of uh, one Donnie Hagar in the very near future, man. Well, dude, thank you so much for spending a little bit of time with us. It's like uh, we take great pride in introducing people to this, to the, introducing great people in the sport of drag racing to the masses. Like that's kind of been the name of the game at Drag Illustrated since day one. We, we set out early on to put names to the faces on the windows. I remember when we first started the magazine, there were so many races that you could racers that you could immediately identify what car they drove but you had no idea what they looked like where they were from what they sounded like anything like that and we've spent damn near 20 years trying to uh do our best to change that and i I, it's i don't i was having a conversation on the drive to the studio this morning and i told a guy that i feel so lucky that we spend our days telling the stories of racers and having the opportunity to shine a light on people such as yourself like we we really take great pride in it and it's uh it's a humbling thing man and i'm just so happy for you so proud of you and i honestly can't wait to see what comes next man i really uh, i think uh i think the future is really bright for you buddy however you could hang it up now if you wanted to <laughs> hey i have considered that but no way i could <laughs> but uh, i appreciate you having me on oh, i really dude. do thank you for your time and hope to see you uh December is it the PRI show? Yeah, I, I I expect to see you in December at the PRI show. So don't don't screw that up. All right. So I, I plan on seeing you in Indy. Okay. All right. Well, dinner's on great. me. All right, buddy. Thank you so much, Donnie. Ladies and gentlemen, the one, the only, the winner of the million dollar drag race, Donnie Hagar. Woo! Thanks, buddy. We appreciate you, man. Yep. Have a good day. You too, buddy. Talk soon.